0: i Spaces And welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, March twenty fourth, two thousand twenty three. Today on the Ether, Cosmos Spaces, Cosmic Community, episode fifteen, featuring Jelena. Let's take a listen. Hey, Jelena, how are you? Not
1: bad, not bad. Uh, I'm just at my friend's restaurant, but I'm gonna go to it somewhere quieter for this.
2: Perfect, perfect. I'll give you give you a few minutes to get situated. No worries, no worries. What's going on, Joe Dirty? I see you in the space. How are you? Well, you're getting yourself situated. Don't mind me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pour me a drink. Gotta, what are
3: you gonna have?
2: I, I got a uh, Scott whiskey with some uh, sparkling water. Okay, that's how I do it over here in Michigan.
3: That's amazing.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's 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 a spot right there. That hits a spot. What are you what are you up to over there, Elena?
1: Yeah, I'm just at my friend's restaurant. Uh, so I live in Toronto, down in downtown Toronto, uh, and I have, uh, I, you know, I have friends in a lot of places, uh, including, <laughs> including a, a good friend that has a really nice restaurant at uh, around the corner for me. So I'm just, um, I'm just here uh, hanging out and I'm going to take this uh, podcast.
2: How blessed are you to have friends? And all these different places of the world you know i i have a I love it it's it's amazing it's amazing to have friends all over the I world
1: love it. i'll tell you i'll tell you about this friend so uh so yeah so this friend i've known for like almost 10 years so when i was in university i used to uh go to his restaurant uh just to hang out like he would have comedy nights and like different events and it was just a great like spot to hang out in and we would just like like i would talk to the owner like whatever hang out and then like uh i moved away and then i moved back and i was walking down the street and i saw him. and he's like yo yelling what are you doing it's been so long and i'm like yo i can't you i can't believe you remember me from like 10 years ago and he's like girl i remember you like look at my drink so We've we've just always uh, had good vibes. He's actually an insanely uh, successful entrepreneur in Toronto. He's had like clubs, restaurants, bars. So I I, I had to hook that. <laughs> Look at
2: guys, guys. I mean, I'm sure you can hear the background music. She's vibing out. She's having fun over there. Oh my god, what is what is the temperature out there right now in Toronto? What is it like?
1: It's like zero degrees Celsius.
2: Oh shit. Okay, that's kind of cold.
1: Yeah, it's super cold.
2: Uh, That's pretty cold. Yeah. I, I do not like the cold weather and we have that here in Michigan all the damn time. I can't wait to like move out of Michigan someday. I really hope, I pray, I pray that I can get out of here. But
1: Uh, honestly, like, okay, listen, I also, I'm in the same boat as you, like Toronto Super cold, like negative, like 20 degrees, 30 degrees Celsius in the winter. But I, I, I I respect it. It's a good, honestly, like you you know how to deal with really tough conditions like i lived in los angeles with my husband for a few months and i was like this is perfect this is like too perfect this is too this is like too good you know it's too good to be true i gotta get out of here <laughs>
2: well, okay so wait hold on yelena's married i did not i did not know that okay
1: oh yeah i'm married Yeah,
2: all right i'm married too i've been married for over 12 years um how about you yelena
1: uh, yeah, so my hu- I've been with my husband for eight years, uh, like as a couple, but we got married about a year and a half ago. So yeah, he's my he's my angel. He's like my absolute best friend, oh. and, like, most amazing I've ever met. Yeah.
2: Oh my, <laughs> my goodness. Oh my goodness. Uh, what kind of wedding did you guys have? Just curious, because. We actually yeah. have not had our wedding yet, and we've been married for over twelve years. Can you guys believe that? How how much of a freaking loser am I? No, no, I'm just kidding. No, just no kidding. you're not a
1: loser. <laughs> no, no, you can have a you can have a wedding if you want. Uh, so we we got engaged during COVID. We were in Mexico, and we got engaged again. We've been together for almost eight years, like as a couple. So like I've known him since. I was in university um but uh no i mean we got married at our best friend's uh art studio so my, my husband's an artist he's a visual artist cinematographer filmmaker so he's very creative guy works on very impressive uh projects and we have a friend who hosted us at his um art studio and yeah it was very like very beautiful very very chill <laughs> it was a lot of fun
2: Oh man. So like, okay. So yeah, like I said, I haven't, I haven't had a wedding yet, but that here's a story. Like, it's not that I didn't want a wedding. It's not that I didn't want the best thing for my wife. Right. It's just that we got, we got married at a very, very young age and I basically became like, you know, a stepfather at the age of 18.
3: Wow, Yeah.
2: Yeah. So things change, you know what I mean? Things happen in life. So we are we are saving up for a really nice wedding. It's not gonna be something like where you have tons of family over and you have a big venue. It's gonna be more of like a destination wedding. That's 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 our dream there. Having a beautiful destination wedding somewhere in, in like a really tropical like environment. Oh gosh. That, that's what I really want. You know, and that's what she wants too.
3: That sounds amazing.
2: Heck yeah, heck yeah. But yeah, hey, I didn't know you were married. So see, I'm learning I'm learning a lot about you already. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I I'm, no,
1: I'm very married
2: <laughs> I, I really I really appreciate appreciate you for coming onto this space. This is the uh, cosmic community space number fifteen, and uh, I think I reached out to you back uh on, on Sunday, I believe so uh uh, uh selected you as our next guest, and this is how it works. So when I'm done with this one, you're gonna have to select another person that you want me to interview, and it's just going to keep going and going and going. That's how this works. So I guess I want to know more about you. Um, you said you're from Toronto and I heard a little bit uh, about you, that you studied in the university in Toronto. What did you, what did you go to school for, Elena?
1: Yeah, totally. Um sorry. I hope it's like a little bit quieter now. I'm just going to go uh, on the patio. So um, yeah, so I studied um, economics and political science at the University of Toronto. Um, so yeah, I'm very much Canadian, Toronto, born and raised, uh, got really obsessed with Bitcoin and the whole, whole kind of notion of sovereign money and cryptocurrencies uh, when I was uh, in university, actually. So Toronto is actually a very special place. So I'm going to like very much promote that tonight. Um, so first of all, Ethereum, uh, a lot of the roots of Ethereum started in Toronto. So Vitalik, he himself is uh, from the city of Toronto. He actually went to high school with, with my husband. Uh, my husband's a little bit older than him, but they were in the same private school, which is a super tiny private school of like 50 kids. There's a lot of like crypto kind of blockchain roots in the city. And so as a result of that, I was exposed to that pretty early on. And yeah, while I was studying political science and economics, you know, just got really obsessed with uh, the whole notion of crypto and, of currencies and, and blockchain and um I I guess you only asked me what I studied and I kinda of started going into
2: no I love more it
1: more detail.
2: Keep <laughs> going, keep going. I love it. I'm sipping <laughs> on this whiskey, I love it. I I I can't believe that your husband was in the same place studying with metallic What the hell? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, pretty cool.
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What why okay, wait. What did your husband study?
1: This was in high school, so, you know, you're, you're, yeah, yeah, you're just a high school student, you're not choosing your major or anything, yeah, no, they were in the same high school in Toronto, um, so there was, like, a, or there still exists a pretty small private school in Toronto, uh, that's mostly focused towards, like, STEM students, uh, again, it's very small, so you have to, like, kind of apply to get in there, but, um, yeah, no, my, my husband was, uh, in that high school, uh, you know, just doing his thing, and, Vitalik happened to be one of the students Uh, I think they like shared a room when they were both on a trip to Paris or something like for like a school trip for learning French or something um but listen Toronto's a small city but it's also a big city in in the sense that a lot of amazing things happen here and like it's a great place to like learn and like meet people and like you know Canada is, is this funny country where like a very small country compared to the u.s we're like 35 million people but um in many ways we're a huge country because we like punch above our weight um so so toronto is a great city i love it
2: that is so cool i, I gotta visit toronto i know my yeah. Um, yeah 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 i know marty um marty from yeah. cosmo spaces he's he's yeah. from canada and he's you know uh, super into all, everything over there in Canada, and I should take a trip out there just to like surprise him one day and meet him up. So, but okay, so you studied economics in the university. Why? Why economics?
1: So uh, I should say economics and political science is a very interdisciplinary degree. So it was econ, political science, international relations, a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, why that? Well, first of all, there was a specific program at the University of Toronto that um, was very like contained and, and very small, uh, which I applied to. Um, so typically, you know, when you go to like a big university like the University of Toronto or, you know, like the University of Michigan or like some other large large school with a lot of kind of first years, you're kind of like a number, right? Like in first year. But I wanted to make sure I tried to apply to something where I was like one of a few people and so there was a program at in Toronto that uh that that applied to, to me and kind of what I wanted to do which is called uh, Peace and Conflict Studies which again was like a mixture of all the disciplines I just referred to and so I applied to that to kind of have like a very like curated kind of um you know contained kind of experience and that's what I did and it was really it was very really great I to travel to a bunch of places and do a bunch of research projects. I went to like Georgia, for example, like the, the country, not the state. Um so the post-Soviet republic and kind of did a project on, for example, like uh post uh Soviet economic kind of uh development. So you know, after you're a Soviet nation, like how do you kind of usher in private investment and capitalism and, and private business and, and all of these kinds of things and so for example, like I got to kind of research that and, and I had a professor that like, you know, supported me in that. And yeah, yeah just really was very much like uh, passionate about different kinds of economic systems uh, from like a macro perspective and how different kind of politi- political kind of systems and policies kind of influenced um, those developments, right? Cause yeah, my background is also Serbian. So like my parents were like Communism. Yeah, yeah. Again, I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself.
2: <laughs> no, you are totally good. Like, as you're speaking, I'm trying to like you know break all this down and and just understand why. Okay, where did the where did you start getting heavily involved with cryptocurrency? Now that yeah. I know a little bit about it, about your background, right? Yeah. When when did that when did that happen exactly?
1: Totally. So it was while I was in university. So it was about 2013, 2014. So I discovered Bitcoin. I was uh, super uh, kind of invested in uh, the concept. So I had a really good friend of mine at the time um, uh, who was like super into Bitcoin, big Bitcoin maxi to this day. And he kind of introduced me to the concept. And again, like kind of as a result of like my political economic interests, I kind of understood, okay, so this is something I should like think about and consider, right? Like Bitcoin seems to be a uh tool or at least a mechanism for new political systems okay like let's let's talk about that let's let's explore that and it was a rabbit hole and kind of uh you know uh it was kind of uh uh very much you know uh
2: well at the time at at the time was was bitcoin really like uh i don't know i don't know were people just trading bitcoin back in 2013 As a speculative asset or were they really like gonna say like maybe in a few years this is gonna be the world currency what was it like back then in 2013 when people were buying bitcoin and you were hearing people buying bitcoin and stuff like that
1: yeah so again this is like i was at university in toronto like early days like i was not connected to people that had any ambitions or notions of like this being like a dominant reserve currency from, like, a blockchain perspective or even, like, a dominant kind of, like, investment kind of vehicle, right? Like, this was still an ideology in my world. Like, it was kind of like, hey, like, we see problems with the current system when it comes to uh, sovereignty, when it comes to uh, economic freedom, you know, when it comes to just general political kind of... uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, movements, let's just like, let's just think about this from an intellectual perspective. So listen, in my world, it was never like, oh, this is how you're gonna get rich. Like, this is how you're gonna make money. No, it was never that it was like, literally me and my friends in their apartment, like hanging out, like having drinks, like, (laughs) to the late hours of the morning, like, oh, like, this is a tool that makes a lot of sense. If you come from a nation or a country where you don't have certain economic freedoms and actually the friend that introduced me to bitcoin he is russian actually um and so he even back then um uh, kind of foresaw a lot of challenges with uh you know being labeled as uh someone from a country that doesn't deserve to have certain economic rights so i resonated with that
2: interesting you never got into mining bitcoin then right i take it
1: no i mean again i was kind of like more intellectually curious my friends were mining bitcoin um but again like they were mining it for fun not because they thought we're gonna hold on to this bitcoin that we mine and make a lot of money you know what i mean yeah
2: yeah yeah i get you i get you i i didn't i didn't uh learn about bitcoin till i would say well i heard about bitcoin back in 2000 oof back in 2000 i'd say like 12 or so i'd heard about bitcoin and, and then I, I bought my first Bitcoin back in 2017, but yeah. anyway, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a long story. And yeah, I don't want to even go there with that because I ended up losing my Bitcoin. Such a sad time <laughs> anyway.
3: <laughs> that's okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But all right. So, so you, you knew about Bitcoin, you were more, more involved with like um the politics, the the um yeah yeah okay so i'm just trying to write some notes down all right when did you start looking elsewhere besides bitcoin when did you start getting involved with like ethereum and other and other speculative assets
1: yeah totally so i guess it was kind of a long journey honestly between like discovering bitcoin and kind of Working in the space. So, you know, I was in university uh, around 2013, 2014, kind of discovering uh, again, like what Bitcoin is, debating it with my friends. till the cows come home, you know, <laughs> what this kind of digital gold, sovereign money, peer to peer cash, whatever you want to call it, kind of, you know, actually means at the end of the day. And then um, again, because I was in Toronto, Ethereum was becoming a thing or a meetup uh, that I was going to until very quickly, you know, it kind of, well, I mean, not very quickly, actually, there was like a couple year delay, maybe a year or two uh, between Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so, you know, going to meetup, talking to people about, um, again, like, you know, from Bitcoin to, you know, programmable, you know, smart contracts, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, new kind of concept of blockchains, which to be clear, wasn't really At the forefront of the Bitcoin narrative, right? Like, Bitcoin was never about blockchain, it was about, you know, money and, and, and currency and sovereign money. And so that was a big kind of paradigm shift, obviously. And so, you know, going to meetups, kind of understanding what that was all about was was really exciting. And again, like, shout out to Toronto, like, we have a big role to play in, 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 the, in, the, in the concept and development of Ethereum, but, you know. As a result of a lot of the kind of early founders kind of being from Toronto and, and a lot of the early community being in Toronto. Um, anyway, so I, I would go to those meetups, whatever, kind of assess that uh, on its own. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I just kept track of it. So eventually I graduated university, uh, kind of kept track of um, what was happening in the crypto space and then pretty much in 2017 with like the major kind of ico boom and like the bull run that happened then like really i really got serious personally on my own like okay you know this isn't just like a intellectual curiosity or like a hobby or like a personal investment like this is actually much bigger than just you know my own interest so to speak so you know let's consider what a job looked like in the space, right? And so I decided eventually to kind of, you know, get a job in the space and, and that's what I did. That was around 2017, 2018.
2: So while you were, while you were considering like being more involved in like cryptocurrency full time, were you already working elsewhere? Did you work at like, cause I've, yeah. I've, inter- I've interviewed quite a, quite a few people already and some people have worked in factory jobs. Some people yeah. have been bartenders, you know, worked in restaurants. Yeah. So what, what were you up to?
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I graduated university uh, in uh, about 2015, 2016. I uh, was going to do law school and become a lawyer because I thought that was uh, an honorable path. And then I actually had an ex-boyfriend that became a lawyer on Wall Street and was, like, very much, like, on the path of, like, the top dog, you know, in a law firm context. And he freaking hated his job. And I was like, oh man, if this is like the best you're ever gonna get in this career at this stage, this not sound so good. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna take a step back. I'm not gonna do law school. i Had a couple other um professors and mentors that uh are still very like near near and dear to my heart that I still keep in contact with who are like, you know, don't do law school. Do something else. Um, and so I eventually graduated from my undergrad and did, uh, and, and then got a job as a political lobbyist. So that was actually my my job before kind of being full time into crypto. So I worked for a political lobbying association here in Canada, where we pretty much um, advocated on behalf of Canadian uh, tech companies. Uh, so my kind of boss, or kind of the guy that was leading this whole thing was the former uh, founder of BlackBerry. Do you remember BlackBerry?
2: BlackBerry?
1: Yeah, the phone, BlackBerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I had a BlackBerry Pearl. I remember that thing. <laughs> I mean, I love okay. that BlackBerry.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so before the iPhone,
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. we, have,
1: we, we have BlackBerry. Yeah, so BlackBerry like the first smartphone. And that was actually Canadian invention, Canadian product, whatever. And so the guy that was kind of the, the major kind of uh, CEO there, he, uh, Jim, Jim Balsillie, so he put together, so after BlackBerry finished fell apart, he put together, well, I mean, first of all, he took some time, you know, that was like in 2010, 2011, after the great financial crisis. Um, he took some time and then he kind of stepped back and then put together a political lobbying group. Um. On behalf of the canadian uh, tech tech industry to advocate for a technology companies, so everything from intellectual property to procurement to supply chains to you know R uh, to r d tax credits uh he kind of was uh mobbing for and like to be clear he had a lot of experience kind of scaling a technology company right like against a lot so he has a lot of knowledge from that perspective and so anyways i worked for, i worked for him um from a in, in terms of uh, the political kind of lobbying association and just getting policy and you know like canada's a great country right like we have a lot of resources we have a lot of land we have a lot of uh, you know uh, expertise but but many times we're not kind of getting our bang for our buck because you know, we we're competing with the US or China or whatever around uh, innovation. And so how do we make sure that companies domestically kind of do well? Right. It's a bit of a nationalistic to be perspective, to be honest, and a bit of a um, not nationalistic, but it's, it's more kind of like contained from like a sovereign nation perspective, which I know in crypto, we don't really understand because it's very borderless, which I think is awesome. But like when I was kind of working for him on, on that level, I kind of really had to wrap my mind around like, hey, like if you're a Huawei, right? Like if you're a Huawei, you're Chinese, you have phones, you have, you know, 5G networks, et cetera.
3: How do you actually get
1: market share? From a, from a in, the, in this perspective, from like a telecom kind of mobile perspective, like that's like a very strategic, um, like uh you know plan that is different than the crypto world very different but it's just as relevant you know what i mean and so i learned a lot from the perspective of um you know uh strategy when it comes to innovation
2: and you and you've been and like you've been part of different different uh Web3 companies, uh, can you name all of them for us too, please?
1: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, the first kind of project I was part of was Dfinity, uh, which is a uh, Web3 project. Um, so that was kind of the first job I, I uh, kind of had in the crypto space. It was really exciting in the sense that Definity had a lot of um, kind of amazing technical kind of research people, part of their team. Um, and so that was uh, kind of in the beginning. And then I left Infinity after a couple of years and then joined cello, which was um, another kind of interesting project for humans. And then after that, I was uh, working with the Cosmos project.
2: And I also I also see that in your bio, it says that you're a co-founder of Canadian Web3 Council. If you want to talk about that, I'm pretty interested in l- learning more about that at some point
1: yeah totally um yeah i mean so this is like canada's kind of like leading um kind of lobbying regulatory organization from the perspective of policy and advocacy around uh kind of web3 and crypto um and so i put that together with uh a, fr- a friend of mine named connor and we really tried to kind of mirror uh the fan- the, the structure and the sort of model around uh, the US blockchain association. So we we believe that honestly, a lot of, uh, I, I, as challenging as it is from like a dominant kind of policy narrative perspective right now in the US, it, there are a lot of amazing organizations still fighting very, very hard in the interests of crypto and web three. And like one of those organizations is the US blockchain association. And so we took a lot of inspiration around kind of how they modeled it. Um, just to sort of make sure that we were advocating positively on the same sort of issues in Canada.
2: And you do that uh, you do that part-time or do that full-time? How How is it like working in the Web3 Canada?
1: Oh, yeah. So, no, that's not my full-time. It's not even a part-time. So, you know, I set that up with my uh, co-founder, Connor. And we uh, pretty much put together a founding membership of a, a bunch of companies like um, Dapper Labs and, and uh, Simple and uh, ShakePay and Ether Capital and, and a few other kind of well-known Canadian companies. ChainSafe is another one. And we hired an executive director that would sort of take over the day-to-day responsibilities. So she is very much in charge of the ship. Uh, I've taken, you know, we've taken a step back and we're we're very much uh you know here to support but we're not here day to day
2: okay okay gotcha if um okay i'm I'm gonna ask you this question all right how how has web3 changed your life you know and you can elaborate as much as you want like go as deep as you want but i think this is a good question to ask our, our guests on this show how has web3 changed your life elena
1: great question i think that's a really uh interesting question i mean you know my first uh kind of comment is on what level you know what i mean <laughs> intellectually like spiritually
2: i want to know pra- about everything i want to know pra- about practically everything yes absolutely yeah. everything
1: all right okay um yeah i mean listen i think for me personally uh it is something that makes a lot of sense from a uh, philosophical, intellectual perspective. So, you know, again, like, even before, like, I was studying kind of uh, economics, or political science, or international law, or any of these things, there was always kind of a deep understanding that uh, the current system just doesn't make sense. You know, Uh, maybe it's because my parents uh, are immigrants to Canada from a country that no longer exists you know for example which is uh yugoslavia is the country which uh you know completely was destroyed in a civil war uh maybe it's because i understood that kind of allegiances to political identity or a political economic system are kind of transient that i kind of understood that crypto and web3 just makes sense in terms of like opting into an alternative system maybe that's why it kind of um kind of made sense to me in the beginning but i think like how it changed my life to be honest is like not crazy like it's always something i deeply believe you know what i mean it kind of seems like predictable so if you're if you already believe that the current kind of environment is a little challenging then it's like oh okay by by extension you discovered crypto and and Bitcoin and and, and, and and the and the and the kind of subsequent sort of um progenitors or or, or whatever <laughs> of, of the of the asset. And so from that perspective, it's not really like a change of their life that drastically. It's more like it was always meant to be, I guess. Um but I guess like more practically, like it kind of Prevented me from doing something more traditional, which is like law, right? Like, I think I could have like seen myself as like a pretty high-powered um, securities lawyer or like corporate lawyer or maybe even like a international criminal lawyer or something like super capitalist, super like corporate kind of super like you know system oriented. Which I think I would have probably fit the bill pretty easily, to be honest. Um, I mean, it wouldn't have been that hard. Like, I always got super good grades. I <laughs> I always was like. Had the best like mentors. Do you
2: know what I mean. Like, it's yeah. not like. <laughs> you sound like a goody good two-shoe that, That's what you sound like. To be honest, like you're always top of the top of the class, getting good grades, making sure that your GPA score was you know the very very best that you could get. Um, yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably got scholarships, right? Am I right?
1: Oh my God! Yeah. I mean, I was like funded through most of my education. <laughs> But, like, yeah, but, like, it's not cause like, I uh, was a good 2 shoes It's because, like, what what else are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be in debt. Like, <laughs> like, Like, what? I'm going to be in debt? No, I'm going to get scholarships. Right?
2: Right, right, right. And and your friends that um, you probably still, like, talk to, what are they up to? Are, are they involved in Web3 in any way? Or are you, like, the oh, only yeah. one that? Yeah?
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, my, what, like my be- one of my best friends, like multiple of them, they started a great company in the Toronto called ChainSafe. So ChainSafe is like a very prominent Ethereum, uh, kind of R&D company. Uh, they raised their Series A about a year ago. Um, they're very, very, very successful. Uh, so there's a lot of success from that perspective. We're still very close friends. Yeah, I mean, listen. I'm not a goody two shoes. Sorry, I have to get back to that. (laughs) I'm like, no, no. I'm like, I just did what's necessary. You know what I'm saying?
2: I get it. I get it. I I just had to say it because that's 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 who you sound like a little bit. You know, you're. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm sorry. Maybe it was just the whiskey talking there. I don't know.
1: No, I love it. I love it. I love it. Whiskey soda, right?
2: (laughs) Whiskey, yeah. Whiskey and sparkling water. Oh yeah, got me feeling right. Me Listen, relaxed.
1: I, I will say one thing, okay? Like, when you kind of grow up in a um kind of uh, immigrant household, I don't know if you mm-hmm. grew up, did you grow up in an immigrant household?
2: Yeah, so Elena, I'm from Mexico. I was born in Mexico. Um, I very was, cool. I, I came here when I was like around four, four years old, and uh, my parents were very hardworking. My dad was working in a factory most of his life. He's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's still he still works in like a factory environment my mom yeah yeah yeah. so i do come from an an immigrant home um i know how it's like you know i i didn't see my parents that much throughout the day they were always working so it was it was kind of rough but yeah tell me more about how how it was like you growing up in that kind of environment
1: listen very, very similar right like um my parents are both immigrants they're from you know the former yugoslavia from serbia and you know came to canada very intelligent people you know uh they sort of uh you know they want, they both went to law school in serbia but they were literally students as the country was collapsing right like there was no country by the time they could get a job do you know what i mean so like imagine like it's 2023 and you're in law school and you're like a super good student but like by 2026, right? By the time you start to graduate and get a job, you know, there's no, there's no USA. <laughs> like, that's obviously very hard to imagine. And that's exactly what happened to my parents. And so they kind of had to make a decision. Okay, well, are we going to pursue our dreams or are we just going to do what's practical? And they did what's practical and they moved to Canada because they could, you know, they had connections there with, with friends and family and so on. so you know i grew up kind of in in an immigrant setting where my parents again like had big dreams and are very intelligent people but unfortunately could never realize those dreams because the political system right and so they had to get jobs and yeah like in kind of um more blue collar type work right and so anyways i kind of always like i will always remember that because i think that a lot of people again don't understand that the political kind of situation can change very quickly when it comes to um what is available to you as an individual. Like I think a lot of times in the West we believe in individual freedom, which I think is appropriate, right? But at the same time, there are a lot of things happening beyond our control that we don't see and that we don't understand how they impact our individual freedoms. Like like a civil war or like a systemic change, like in the context of Yugoslavia, right? And so anyways, w- with me growing up, they were always very kind of explicit about the fact that, you know, this was always, this can be, do you know what I mean? And so that's 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 good because it kind of like forced um, me and my brothers to consider okay this is plan b right like mom and dad like in their ideal situation like would not necessarily want this do you know what i mean because who would right like in that situation but now that we're in this situation what can you do to make this better and so that's a lot of pressure and that's a lot of kind of influence that i think makes people kind of understand okay let's 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 think about this let's Let's think about what this all means um, holistically. And and so, yeah, I mean, listen, my dad, again, kind of more blue collar work. My mom is uh, super kind of talented in her own right. Uh, you know, not blue collar work necessarily, but more like services oriented kind of stuff where she deals with a lot of, you know, challenging circumstances. And so, yeah, I mean, they're proud of me because they understand that this current system doesn't work, right? Like, how can you possibly live, like, grow up in a situation where the country as you know it does not exist do you know what i mean
2: yes and were you able to uh orange pill your parents that's another question that i wanted to ask you
1: (laughs) oh my god obviously
2: (laughs) really i really okay okay so i'm not the only one i i got my mom involved in a crypto one basically like around the time i got in
1: are they so they get it like they're like yeah like crypto makes sense like obviously
2: (laughs) Yes, my mom was telling me to buy Bitcoin like a few days ago when it was, was like 20,000. I mean, she doesn't really get it, get it because she likes like, oh, my God, it's pumping. Okay, I need to buy it, right? I need to buy it, right? I'm like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's pumped a lot. Maybe you want to wait. Yeah. But she, she does dollar cost average into Cosmos and other, and other coins. So, I mean, but she kind of understands why I'm in it. So, yeah. So, let's get here that your parents are also, you know, involved.
1: Yeah, like like I think my parents, like my dad especially, like he's kind of like Bitcoin is a no brainer. He's kind of a Bitcoin maxi, which kind of annoys me to be honest. Because uh, 'cause I'm kind of like I love Bitcoin, but I'm like, yeah, there's like other methods, but he's like very much a Bitcoin maxi. Where he's like nothing else makes sense. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, god damn it. Like <laughs> I gotta explain to you Cosmos now. Um So he's a little bit old-fashioned, but my mom, she's more like, you know, okay, yeah. Like, there's other ways that you can, like, structure, you know, these systems, or you can, like, create, you know, communities around crypto and blockchain and whatever it is.
2: So are your parents fully supportive that you're involved in Web3? Sounds like they are, right?
3: yeah yeah of
4: course
2: <laughs> yeah and if you weren't involved in web3 you, you said that you might have been possibly involved in, in like uh, being a lawyer correct
1: <clears throat> yeah okay so this is gonna be a big one I feel like uh I don't know I don't know if I should share what I would actually be doing because I have a very strong opinion on this I guess we will do it whatever um do it all right, yeah. So if I wasn't in crypto or web3, I have a very strong opinion. I would uh be an international criminal lawyer. Yeah, so I would be like on the front line. Do you know what I'm all cloning? Um,
2: wow, really really hold on, hold on. So I mean, I work in aerospace, right? I'm an app specialist engineer. Awesome. And if I if I wasn't doing that, um I would probably be like a homicide detective. I don't know why I just was fascinated with with that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, if you do you know who Amal Clooney? Is? Uh,
2: no, no. Oh,
1: okay, uh, it's okay. So, she's a, a really famous international criminal lawyer. So, yeah, I would be an international criminal lawyer. Uh, like full on. Like I would be at every single hearing around war crimes, and I would be either prosecuting or defending. Uh yeah. I'm like very passionate about international criminal law.
2: Wow. That is so fascinating. See? These questions are awesome because just just I don't know. It just brings out more more of the people that are here in our space. That's so cool. That's so awesome. Yeah, I
1: actually interned for a uh, war criminal.
2: Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. And what are you up to right now, Yelena? I I know that um, you recently announced that, um, you know, officially co-founder of Noble, right? Is that what you're dedicating most of your time to right now?
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm dedicating most of my time or all my time to Noble. So we're looking to bring native asset issuance to Cosmos. Uh, We're looking to bring uh, a lot of native stables and other crypto assets to Cosmos because Cosmos is like hurting for liquidity. Uh, it's an incredible ecosystem of a lot of interesting and amazing, like you know, DeFi primitives and AMMs and But for some reason, it's not so good around the liquidity side. And so, we pretty much just want to facilitate that and make sure everyone benefits. Well, but
2: what do you what do you think is is um is stopping from from uh, getting that kind of liquidity that we're looking for? What what have you uh, you know found in your research?
1: Totally. Um, So I mean, a few things, right? Like there's no uh, native stablecoin across this ecosystem. So obviously with Terra, we had UST, but unfortunately that went to zero. Um, So there's no native stablecoin. Obviously we have bridged assets, but those pose their own kind of challenges from a kind of um, security liquidity perspective. Um, And so that's a big problem. Uh, and honestly, like, you know, we, you look at Avalanche, you look at Solana, you look at obviously Ethereum, like there's a lot of impressive kind of activity when it comes to kind of native asset issuance. And we just like don't have that even beyond stables, right?
2: Well, I see other chains like coming up with their own stable token, right? Like uh Nagorik has, or is it, what is it? US, I don't even know. There's There's a ton, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Cosmos has the best uh, kind of innovation when it comes to the app chain kind of model, kind of permissionless communication, um, you know, all of these kinds of like fundamental kind of uh, blockchain kind of uh, infrastructure pieces, but we don't actually have a lot of the, again, the institutional kind of liquidity element coming into Cosmos as much. So it's a, it's a lot of retail, which is amazing. I think that's shows a lot of organic growth. Like if you kind of look at the current kind of TBL, it's very impressive. But again, I think we're missing a lot of liquidity and a lot of kind of mainstream awareness.
2: Yeah. And, you know, you've mentioned the word politics, uh, like, I don't know, I think a uh, hundred times during our conversation. And every time you've mentioned it, I, I took a shot. Uh, of my drink um
1: i thought you were having whiskey soda
2: oh a a sip i mean a sip a sip of my drink (laughs) Um, how how would you view the politics situation in in the cosmos ecosystem what are your thoughts there
3: that's a really good question um yeah i mean i think
1: that it's, un, it's not great. <laughs> that's like my ultimate opinion. It's not a good situation because we have a lot of misalignment and a lot of mixed messaging. Um, so you know I come from, from the world of the Adam 2.0 era, right And I know there's a lot of like um, challenges and a lot of kind of pushback around Adam 2.0 because this is like huge kind of vision. But again, it was only ever meant to signal a perspective. It was never meant to put anything into reality, right? But regardless, it got shut down, which is fine. But I think the fact that we weren't able to align on a vision is pretty indicative of like how misaligned different entities are. And especially the co-founders, to be honest, Um, Jay and Ethan, and you know, I think that they have a lot to work out. Like, I think, I don't know, like, I wasn't around when they were writing the white paper. uh, But, you know, many years later, there's a lot of other stakeholders and participants. And I think it's important to consider how to be inclusive of, you know, people that are
3: like, maybe
1: newer to the process. And so I think, like, the politics, to be honest, is like a remnant of just, like, challenging kind of structural situation with, like, the co-founders, like, their lack of, like, alignment and, like, inner chain foundation. It's all just very messy, right? And so I think it needs to be considered in a different way, right? Because, like, Cosmos is so much bigger than that organization or those two people and i think that at the end of the day the political system should reflect that and i think there needs to be a little bit of a populist kind of movement where a lot more people feel invited to take part like so for example you know i was i was talking to somebody i'm not going to say who it was but it's like a very well-known kind of person in the ecosystem that is an ethereum person who has done amazing things in ethereum again like built crazy. Valuable, important primitives in that ecosystem that is literally told me I would have done the same thing in Cosmos if if it was more welcoming in 2018, and it wasn't, right? And that's horrible. And and I can imagine I was not around then, but I can imagine it wasn't welcoming because it it wasn't welcoming with the Adam 2.0 situation, right? Because that's what we need to do. We need to make it more welcoming so that people feel have a stake and like an opportunity to succeed in this in a, in a new environment and i think there's i feel like this is a very long-winded way of saying that the political system needs to sort of change into a more inclusive collaborative environment that does not consider a couple people right and and that's what we tried to do with Adam ad and i think we did, we did not succeed because it still felt very insidery and i'm and i like and i fully watch that watch I think at the time we thought oh this is like the moment where we like you know make it like broader but now i realize okay it, it it still looks like eight people it looks like the same people like i get that but let's forget about that like let's kind of do something that's more inclusive
2: and when when that happened that whole situation situation with adam two point out, i mean like during Cosmoverse, everyone was super, super hyped about it, right? right.
4: Yeah. But what, Yeah,
2: but how, how, were, how, did you, how did you feel after it basically just got, da- got shot down, you know? Well, where were you in, in um, your, your emotional state? I mean, how did that make you feel? Did you give up? Did you feel yeah. like it was over? No. You know, where were you at? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really good question, and, and I appreciate that. I think like at the end of the day like yeah Cosmoverse was like super positive and it was like a lot of fun and we were all celebrating like Cosmos and and the potential and then very quickly yeah two weeks later it was shut down because of you know the co-founders fighting and you know it was very embarrassing to be honest and I think like at the end of the day it was very challenging personally because I kind of put my name behind something that I thought would bring 100,000 people in, and instead, it actually alienated a bunch of people, which which was obviously very, very unfortunate. And that's not something I ever want to happen. But at the same time, it kind of also made me reflect, okay, this is not the approach, right? Like, this is not the way we bring kind of mass participation into the space, we actually have to be a little bit more thoughtful. And that's kind of what led me to Noble, honestly. I was like, "What? How am I going to be effective? It's clearly not like staying here in this like fraught environment. Like, I'm not going to be, to be honest. Like, just in the middle of like a co-founder spat. Like, like I'm just like not interested in that. Like, they can figure it out on their own terms. Like, I'm going to just move away. Try to do something better that's like good for everybody.
3: I'm just going to move on."
2: What are you most excited about, um, about Noble? I mean, as a co-founder, what are you most looking forward to Noble this year?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to a bunch of new interest, liquidity assets coming to Cosmos. I think we've been a little bit too high on our own supply (laughs) for the past few years. And we think that we're the best because we have the best stock, which is true the Cosmos 50K and IBC and Tenderman, these are all very positive um, things, like no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, we have not really looked beyond ourselves to say what needs to be done to bring other people into into this ecosystem. And so I think bringing new stables, new assets into the ecosystem, bringing new users, hopefully will change that.
2: Awesome, awesome. Yelena, what what brought you to Cosmos though? What, like, what was the one thing that you were like yes i'm I'm gonna be part of cosmos ecosystem, and uh what around what year did that happen?
1: yeah, totally so about twenty nineteen I was still at infinityity I was uh you know working away uh in San Francisco, Palo Alto, and I saw a few things happen uh all of the ethereum killers that you know were supposed to have been the creme dual creme, you know, taking off, killing Ethereum did not happen and they still haven't happened. And Cosmos did what they said they would do, which is bring for of stake to blockchains. They brought a validator set to the ecosystem. They did something very practical. I saw that in 2019 and I thought, okay, this is very worthwhile. I'm going to like keep track of this. And then Uh, In about mid-2020, I kind of officially joined uh, the Cosmos ecosystem by informal, and this whole time really understood there are kind of playbooks and methodologies to shipping and to -to go-to-market, which kind of entail kind of aggressive token valuations and aggressive kind of investment investment contracts. But at the end of the day, it's all about the actual technologies with the stack. It's about the open-source kind of ethos of what we're trying to build and cosmos just obviously <laughs> killed that in all respects and so it was like pretty clear like again i was tracking this from really 2018 onwards but eventually saw what they did in 2019 and, and said okay like this is clearly like where i need to be and then eventually made the, sh- made the shift in early 2020
2: and outside of noble right what are what are some other cool projects that um you you highly value in the uh, cosmos ecosystem what are you most excited about outside of noble
1: yeah that's a great question um any of the ibc um kind of projects that are looking to expand ibc outside of cosmos so polymer i'm very excited about it i still believe the composable i think what they're trying to do is also exciting uh canto i think is a really cool community project that's more of an ethereum kind of to Cosmos Play that has done a lot of interesting things on the community side. I'm very big fans of Kanto. Um yeah, I mean honestly, I am very excited about DYDX. I mean that's a huge moment for, for our ecosystem and for pretty much seeing the app chain thesis be realized in a very real way. Obviously, that's not existing right now, but it will be very soon.
3: So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of exciting projects.
2: Wait, you forgot to mention Wawa? What the heck? I mean, like I thought that was going to be your first pick.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Wawa. Yeah, <laughs> and also Starry Gaze and, and, and uh, Bad Kids. I'm a big fan. <laughs>
2: You're a big fan of NFTs, huh? Uh, so-
1: bad Kids, specifically Bad Kids. That's the only.
2: I ended up selling my uh, bit kit today. I mean, I, I put a crazy, like, high uh, you know, offer on it. I, I put, I put it up for 200 or 20,000 stars. I'm like, no, nobody's going to buy a, this for 20,000 stars. And somebody bought it today. I was like, Oh shit.
1: <laughs> oh uh, no, I'm not selling. I'm not selling mine.
2: <laughs> no, you're keeping all your bad kids and bit kids.
3: Absolutely.
2: Awesome. Um, I know I know you're you're you know, you're out there trying to enjoy your, your night out. So is there anything that you wanna just uh tell the audience or maybe shout outs before uh, we wrap up the the show?
1: Yeah, no, I I appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Um I would just say that Cosmos is actually in the early phases of its development. As much as it seems like it's not, you know, Adam has had a good rally and Obviously, osmosis and you know other very impressive projects have done very well, but it's early days, guys, like this is like this is the baseline um, from what we've seen. I think it's been a very challenging you know year with uh, Terra collapsing and Luna and UST, and that's all very unfortunate. But at the end of the day, this is a very resilient ecosystem. It's a very incredible kind of, you know, community of participants that are all extremely different and unique. And like, I come from a very specific perspective, but that's just me, you know what I mean? Like that's not everybody else that I'm associated with. Like I'm just an individual in this entire um, scheme. And so I, I guess all I would say is let's keep perspective that there's more to come and there's more to learn and as, as crazy as it's been so far, I think that we have a long way to go, which is funny to say. Um and yeah, just like keep on trucking on and also, oh, um, I was told that I have to uh vote somebody in for the next cosmic community space. So yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna vote somebody in. It's gonna be Jack Zamplin. Awesome. Which, uh, Which
2: one be great? Yeah, please reach out to uh to uh is it Jack? You said Jack, right? Yeah. Please please reach out to him to see if he's uh, willing to do it. If he's available, I'd like to have him on. And uh, thank you again so much. I really appreciate this. Um, It was it was awesome. It was was awesome getting to know you a little bit better. Because I mean, I've only really met you in person that one time at CosmoVerse for like a quick quick split second.
4: Yeah,
2: and I think I and I think I messed up uh, announcing your name (laughs) because I you know. I was so nervous up there. I ain't going to lie.
1: No, it was a hard time. No, that was fun. It was like, I think it was the uh, Stargaze party or Celeste. I forget what it was. Something like that. Uh, when we met in, in Medellin.
2: Oh, Medellin was beautiful. Helena, I loved it. I loved it. It was awesome. Amazing. Hey, have fun out there. Um, Enjoy the night out. Um, But thanks again. I'm going to wrap up this space. And yeah, please get a hold of Jack if you don't mind.
3: Of course. Again, Yelena,
2: have a good one. Thank
3: you. Thanks. Bye.
2: Bye. Take it easy. Thanks
0: to the uh, listeners that stopped in. Yes. Appreciate you guys and girls. Peace. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Cosmos Spaces, Cosmic Community, Episode 15, featuring Yelena. Recorded on Friday, March 24th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. I should also mention, if you type in CosmosRadio.org in your web browser, it'll take you right to all the Cosmos Spaces spaces. 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 And if you appreciate the work... Head on over to terraspaces.org donate and show some support now.
5: Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection. Just a bunch of flexing. All aggressive. Insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Blink Play canvas. Blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the Mind you hush, put your mask on and don't touch the antlers Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse But in the universe, I'm just writing some words Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain got the taxes included Acting like a writer never felt secluded Get into the shit and line them up. Just another fixed game of try my luck. Go oh, lighten up, dog. It could always be worse. Unless you're in the back of a hearse. Then you're dead or put it in new speakers. It's a toss-up, driver, or just tweakers. Don't stress, yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling Less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal? I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the hubble